Enterprising in my surroundings I'm finding the quietest estates these days Just representation of storm brewing Amazed that the focus remains The vocal focal point of my change Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast I'm your host, Matt Chittam And this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there Who are working hard to get better While balancing running with the rest of their lives And on today's episode I am excited to bring you an episode that I shared with you earlier in the year. Rachel Gersten, um, I couldn't wait to share this with you because so many people ran the Boston Marathon this past weekend. And I wanted to put this out there. It's about the mental health for runners in a variety of situations, but especially in the post-marathon dip, which is just ever-present in our sport. And, you know, sometimes our biggest highs are followed by some lows, and sometimes that's just a cycle of things. And it's important to understand how to approach that. And it may not stop it from happening, but going through it may be a little bit easier for some people. And I couldn't wait to share this. Rachel is an expert in the field. And as you'll hear in a second, someone who is just a fantastic person in all things. I couldn't wait to have her on the show for the first time. And I'm so excited to re-air this episode for you. And the reason I just felt like this might be a good fit was a couple weeks ago, James McCurdy and I did an episode about how to run Boston, diving into so many different aspects of how to run that race. And that was the most popular episode that I've ever put out in terms of first 24 hours downloads, first week downloads, first two-week downloads, three weeks. It set all the records for me. So obviously a lot of people are running Boston because that was a very niche podcast from a topic perspective. So if that many people wanted to download that episode, I'm guessing just as many people would want to hear this, because if you're going to listen to the first one, you should listen to this one as well. It's really that important. So let's get into it with Rachel Gersten. All right, Rachel Gersten, welcome to the Rambling Runner podcast. Thank you. So happy to be here. I am delighted that you agreed to join me. I am a fan of yours, not only someone who follows you on all the apps and things like that, but also your, the episodes you've had on Allie's show, Allie on the Run. You've been great on that. So I am so excited to talk to you today because, well, one of many reasons, but the overriding reason was because I had some people reach out and I'm thinking of one, one person in particular who was like, hey, you're doing all this marathon prep stuff and I think it's really interesting. I'd, and it's all physical. Well, a lot of it's physical. Um, but I'd love to hear about the mental and emotional toll that not only the marathon can take, but the dip that happens afterwards. And you were the first person I thought of as a person who would be a great individual to talk this through. So before we get into that and many more questions, Rachel, tell us a little bit about yourself, both professionally and as a runner. Okay. So my name is Rachel Gersten, as we already said, but I am a licensed therapist and co-owner of a practice based in New York City. But disclaimer, we are also expanding. That's kind of on the DL for now, but I'm going to throw that out there. Stay tuned for more. So we are So don't, currently... if you're listening to this, don't tell anybody. Right. You can, don't you share, but you know, know that something's coming. So that's my like little teaser thing that I actually hate when people do because I hate, like I want all the information at once, but I'm going to do it to other people. Sorry. But for now, we're a New York City-based practice called Viva Wellness, and I am also a runner. I just finished the New York City Marathon, my fourth marathon. It was the best day ever. Shout out to all the crowds. If you who are listening were there, thank you. The crowds were amazing. And yeah, I and I say runner is like a huge part of my identity. I love running marathons, half marathons, shorter distances that I like less, but I will still do them. And yeah, so excited to be here. So excited to talk. So 
I introduced this as kind of like that post-marathon dip, or you can you know insert synonym here, um, type feeling that so many people feel. But this doesn't have to be marathon-specific, nor does it even have to be running-specific. Um, please correct me if I'm wrong, and that will be an underlying theme to this episode. But um, <laughs> same with all episodes, but especially the ones when I'm talking to a very specific individual who has expertise in a field that I certainly do not have any expertise in. But it seems like this could be for really any kind of big goal that a lot of people strive for and that has a very defined date or event or when you finish you know, said goal or task or challenge, that there's a very clear line of demarcation where I was doing this thing and now this thing is over. Yeah, absolutely. I'm thinking like in my head of all different things, like you said, it could be running related, any goal, it doesn't matter if your goal was to run a mile or half a mile without like wanting to stop and die like that counts just as much of a marathon as a marathon or an ultra marathon. But also outside of running, you know, you hear about this happening after a wedding, after a graduation, after a big move, a big trip, right? I'm thinking of like all these things that you could potentially circle the date on the calendar. And then when it's over, it understandably creates a drop. It's kind of like that what goes up must go down kind of situation of that if you're on this big high because you're looking forward to something. And, you know, regardless of how the day goes, you're still looking forward to it. I would hope that there were some good parts, if nothing else. It's still kind of like this big letdown of like, well, what's next? And it just is kind of the opposite, right? Like every action has an equal and opposite reaction. And, you know, that's the last cliche I'll throw in there. But it just makes a lot of sense that you would be feeling something that is kind of the opposite of whatever you went into that event feeling. Now, this might not be relevant to people who have just who've already experienced the event, but there are certain things that we can do during our prep for this type of event or challenge that will not minimize our effectiveness on race day, but maybe could minimize maybe the potential dip that happens afterwards. Yeah. So I think one, the number one thing is to know it's probably coming. Um, and that can actually, that advice is true across the board of any type of uncomfortable feeling. A lot of times we want to be, Oh, it won't be that bad. It won't be that bad. Or like, no, I'll be okay. And in reality, there's not really a way you're not going to feel some type of uncomfortable emotion. And so then you might be blindsided because you weren't ready for it to come because you kept saying it won't happen. It won't happen. So be ready for it. Know that the next week, two weeks, three weeks, six months, whatever, depending on your circumstances might be hard and plan accordingly. I think this is one of those times where it's kind of okay to just distract yourself there's not really much to do about the fact that you're feeling sad that something you really look forward to is over. I will use a personal example. My run coach, very rudely, but very appropriately, told me I needed to take two full weeks off of running after the New York City Marathon. I was not happy, and I decided to go on vacation because if I wasn't going to be running, I was going to be sitting on a beach, thus distracting me from the fact that I could not run. And that's how I dealt with it. And, you know, I'm, I'm more than fine with that, right? Like sometimes situations are just hard and therefore you have to make them less hard as much as possible. That's a great point. So let's dive into that. I'm going to be your therapist. I'm just kidding. Okay, um, great. I'm excited. <laughs> so as you were relaxing on the beach, Morgan hand or whatever your, your beverage of choice is, um, did you feel like you could separate yourself from the dip that you you know, that we're talking about here and that you had kind of, you know, that you were feeling when you're like, wait, what? Two weeks off. Um, and, you know, and just not, not merely distracted yourself, but fully embraced what you were doing. 
Yeah, that's actually something for me personally. I'm very good at kind of separating when I'm in a different location. So that's also, you know, a kind of sub tip is like know yourself and what will help. So I knew if like I was in my neighborhood and around Central Park, like it would bother me more. But if I'm on a beach somewhere, like I'm now on a beach somewhere, right? It's not even like an option. It's not a, it's not something that I'm tempted to do or that I'm really missing because I couldn't do it anyway. Like I'm not there. And so, yeah, I think that's something that for me was really helpful. And like, I knew that about myself and, you know, that doesn't mean like, oh, if anybody wants to just like book a vacation after something like this, they'll automatically feel better. You have to know what works for you. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie and say there wasn't a point where I was like, oh, I'm sad right now. Or like, oh, man, should be running Saturday, supposed to be long run day. But it was a lot easier for me to work through and sit with those feelings when I was like, oh, but the ocean's right there. So there you go. Aqua jogging? No, I'm just kidding. No one likes that. That's not the, oh that's not, that's not the remedy for any problem. <laughs> no, although I will say the waves were like a lot. So there was a little bit of a workout trying to like not be knocked over. So, you know, compromise. <laughs> there you go. So why does this happen even if a race goes really well as opposed to maybe the, the understandable and maybe even predictable letdown of like, wow, I put all this time and energy, mental, physical, emotional into this endeavor and I have so many regrets after seeing the result. Yeah, um, it's really hard to ever have something be 100% perfect. Like our brains are just kind of wired this way is that there's always a pro and a con to like literally every situation. The biggest, terrible, awful day always has a silver lining, which like you might not want to hear it at the time, but it exists. And the flip side is also true. Like your best day ever, if you want, you can find a negative, right? Regardless of what it is. And so our brains do that both because we're human and also because we usually have more time on our hands after the fact. It's not as busy. You're not as preoccupied. And so you sit and like reflect and you reflect on both sides because, I mean, they exist, right? It's it just about what you choose to highlight and how you choose to work through when those negative feelings pop up. Because just because you think them doesn't mean you have to take any action on them. And I think that's also important to remember that like when you're really emotionally charged, maybe don't make any decisions <laughs> like wait, you know, if it went really well and you're like, oh, but I think I could run 30 seconds per mile faster. Like, let me start training for that. Wait, wait until you're less, you know, emotionally raw. But it's just kind of this idea of like, that's how our feelings work, right? If you're on, especially if you've had a good day, I mean, if you're, that's like a level 10 of awesome, not having that is kind of like they're going to be the opposite, right? It's like this huge come down. The higher you go up on the top of a roller coaster, the further you have to drop. And so it just kind of, that's just how life is set up, especially when we're looking forward to something for so long and it means so much to us and then it's over. It's kind of also like we lost something. Right. Yeah. I mean, shoot, we did, right? Because all of a sudden, from just from a time management perspective, there is a huge opening um, in our lives as, as marathon runners because- Marathon takes a long, takes a long ass time. It just does, right? And for a long time, right, right. All right. So, and, and so, so getting back to that. All right. So you're taking your weeks off. I'm in the middle of a week off right now, and it's weird. I'm like losing track of time because oftentimes, like we measure, you know, we have these benchmarks for things. But actually, when you first, I'm dive back real quick. When you talked about separating from place because that can be 
I don't know if triggering is the right word, but it, it, it can it can set up those those feelings of like, oh, I want to be doing X, Y, Z, but I can't do them right now. It actually reminds me a little bit um, of, you know, like getting dumped as like a high schooler. Not that I ever was dumped. Lord knows. Of course not. Who would of dump course you? not. Oh, of course. <laughs> um, but then being like, I can't turn on the radio for like the next three days right. because like every song makes you like feel worse because they're all like, you know, wow, these are all ballads about the feelings that I'm feeling right now. And it's just making me like even more like in like in the dumps. Yeah, no, it's actually pretty similar. Triggering is a good word, right? Because again, if you think of it like a loss, at least in part, right? This is not to take away from, you know, whatever celebration you're also having, which I hope anyone who finishes a marathon or any goal race is celebrating. But it is a loss because like you said, it's this big chunk of time that you dedicate to it. And I think most of the time, at least, we maybe not in the moment, but look back on the training cycle and is like, oh, that was fun. And we have like happy memories of even some runs that, you know, were ridiculous for whatever reason. And so it is like a chapter of our lives closing, which is sad, even if it's also happy. And so, yeah, I think it's, you know, that idea of knowing what is going to trigger you and maybe stay away from it for a little while, right? Just at least at first. That I think that's fair. You know, the um, they had in they have in Central Park all of the marathon route signs. And one of the things I could do in the second week of my break was like take a walk, but I didn't want to walk by the marathon route signs because I'd see people running. I'd be like, I'm not running, and the marathon is over and I'm sad. So like I did not. But yeah, I think it's kind of one of those things where, you know, do you want to cover your emotions in an unhealthy way? No. Do you want to experience them? Yeah, you should experience them and go through the loss and all reflect on all your feelings about what just happened. But also, like, you don't need to pick at the scab more than you already need to, right? Like, don't, I think that's a good point of just know what those triggers might be and maybe, like, don't intentionally trigger yourself if you don't need to. So talk to me about the importance of celebration. You just mentioned it right there. Uh, obviously, you know, you know, if things go really well, the idea of celebrating kind of comes part and parcel with that experience. Um, when things don't go well, you know, it's almost like celebrating something that doesn't go well is like, you know, eating vegetables, I mean, eating broccoli if you hate vegetables, and then like getting like a second helping after the fact. Uh, so talk to me about like the importance of celebrating, even if the race maybe didn't go according to plan. Yeah, so I think this is where it's really helpful for runners, and sometimes I include myself in this category of people who need this reminder, of to zoom out of the running community bubble and remember what it is you're doing. 1% of the population runs a marathon, like ever. I mean, obviously higher for like a 5K, but still pretty low. Same with, you know, as you go up, it continues to get lower. So when we're insulated in the running community, it can be really easy to forget that and to say like, oh, you know, I was 10 minutes off my goal time. Like I suck. Okay. No, <laughs> like actually just zoom out and think about what it is you just did, especially with a marathon, right? You just ran 26.2 miles. Like that's kind of crazy. And so that in of itself, just the fact that you dedicated all of this time to work on this goal and to finish this race like that deserves to be celebrated because my guess is you also did your best for the day, even if that wasn't you what you wanted your ultimate best to be. I don't know a lot of people who 
for no reason get to like mile six of a marathon and go, you know what? I don't care. I'm just going to walk this in. Like I feel great and it's a good day, but I just don't want to. Like no one says that. <laughs> and so it's usually for a right. reason, right? You can't right? go like, from like completely, completely invested to like that level of indifference that early. Right. Like that's not happening for anybody who gets to a start line unless you're hurt or you're sick or like it's torrentially downpouring or something that's out of your control. You know, that's the thing, especially with the marathon or just like really running in general. There's some days where you just wake up and you just feel awful and there's no real explanation for it. And you can't necessarily predict when it's going to happen. And sometimes it happens on race day. But you did your best for the day. And so that in and of itself deserves to be celebrated, especially if you finished not on your best day. Like I've run marathons where I feel great and I've run marathons where I don't. And the ones where I don't, even if they're slower, like are actually harder to get through because I'm like, I just want to be hit by traffic right now. Like just end this any way I can. Cause those are the dark thoughts you have. Just and those jump are off hard. the bridge overpass. Just right. <laughs> like, it just doesn't matter. I don't care. However this ends, I just need it to end. And so that in of itself is worth celebrating, right? Like just getting to the start line is worth celebrating. And then if you got to the finish, or even if you didn't, you did your best. And your best is really relative. Like we do this whole thing of like, oh, I want to run my best race. Okay, but that's different depending on the day. So you ran your best race for that day. And maybe it was awful. <laughs> and in that, in that case, good for you for going as far as you could. And so I think just the zoom out of the real world, so to speak, like not just like this running community bubble, I think is helpful to get perspective on like, actually you accomplish something pretty amazing just by getting to the start line of a race, like zoom out. And I think that can help reframe and also know that it's okay to be disappointed, right? Both things can be true. You can be disappointed in your race time while also recognizing that what you did is also worthy of celebration. All right, I'm going to take a page from my own book here and start pushing back on therapists that, uh, that, okay. that give me really I'm good excited. advice. I'm ready. My favorite clients are the ones that push back. Okay. So, the, so these are maybe some potential like devil's advocate mm -hmm. responses right, to the things that you just mentioned, which let me just say, I completely agree with everything you just said. But I just want to say, all right, people who are listening to this might, come, might be coming at this conversation from a couple different perspectives. So I can imagine someone saying, yes, but... Rachel, I totally get that. However, I just feel like such a failure because my family has sacrificed so much time for me, for me to pursue this. And then all of a sudden, like, I didn't even come close to my goal. And I just feel like I just let people down, even though, like, they don't feel that way. I know how much they sacrificed for me. And I just feel like, I just feel awful that I put my family through this for something that I couldn't even achieve. Yeah. So, relatable. And also, both are true, right? I like to think we have like the objective side and our emotional side, which I work with clients all the time of like, you know, you can believe the logic, but not feel the logic. And so if you feel like a failure, like feel that feeling. Feelings are not rational. <laughs> like you can know it doesn't make sense, but still feel it anyway. So feel that, but also know that that doesn't make it true. Like your family's probably not disappointed in you. They probably think it's cool, especially if they're on the uh, on the sides as being spectators, like maybe they've never run a marathon. And so they're just like, this is just kind of awesome. They they love you no matter what, at least no, regardless of your race time, I hope. And so know that that's not true, but also feel the feelings at the same time. Our feelings aren't rational. And so you don't need to 
ignore them or say that they're wrong or you're wrong for feeling them, but also know that like not everything we think or feel is actually the way the world is working right now. All right. That was a good one. All right. How about this one? So there are certain people who like to, uh, as kind of an accountability mechanism, kind of put it out in the world, not only that they're doing a certain race, but that they have a certain goal time in mind that really is a way of like pushing themselves to get out the door. And, and those have been well chronicled for people to do. I had a whole podcast series dedicated to the, this idea <laughs> last year. Um, all right. So for those people like, all right, yeah, but you know, I just feel so embarrassed because I had this time in mind. I told everyone around it about it. I didn't even come close to that time. And part of me just wants to be like, all right, like, I know I'm not a failure, but I, I can't do that again. I can't. I just feel so like I just feel so bad, that, like or not bad, but I just feel like, oh, this is so embarrassing that like I put this out there and like the accountability mechanism works. But then what am I going to do next time? Because I just feel like an idiot when I'm so far away from it. Yeah. I think it's also a little in part the perspective thing like it's going to sound, you know, I don't know if this is better or worse. Most people are very self-involved just by the nature of being human. Most people don't care, right? Like you will always care more than even someone on the internet, especially, you know, especially your family, but even strangers, like you'll always care more. So know that going in. The other thing I would say is I'll use a running metaphor. I actually use a lot in therapy is don't make decisions going up a hill. That's a good one. And so basically, literally, (laughs) and also when it's hard, don't make choices that are going to impact you long term, right? Like take things day to day. And so maybe you put out a goal on, you know, social media or a running group or just like a large group of people, however your audience happens to find you. And you're like, man, I didn't hit it. And now I feel terrible. I don't know that I want to do this again. Maybe you don't. And that's a reasonable conclusion, right? Maybe you're like, this did not work. I'm never doing this again. And that's the solution. But make that decision when you're feeling better. Because maybe actually in retrospect, two months later, you'll be like, oh, I actually got a lot of community support around the fact that I didn't meet my goal and it ended up making me feel better because I got to hear from a lot of people that they actually didn't care. And then maybe you'd make a different decision, but just know kind of all of those things at once. And also know it's okay to be embarrassed. Like that is embarrassing. I feel like it's the equivalent of like getting up on stage and forgetting your lines. Like, sure. Does anyone really remember that a week later or really care? No, but you sure do. It's not fun. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. All right. And there's going to be some, some cohort or some, yeah, cohort, maybe some segment of the listening population to this who know that maybe they went after say a Boston qualifying time. Right. That's a very popular goal to have. And there's an awkwardness to that because unlike, you know, the the April 2022 race, the vast majority of Boston qualified times are going to have two different qualifying times. You'll have the published time and then the window to actually run the race. So there'll be a portion of the group that says, hey, you know, I'll just pick a, a round number. Right. So if you're under age of 35 and you're female, if you run a sub 330, then you qualify for Boston. But say you ran 329.15, you might be looking at that and go, uh oh, what does that mean? Right. So you have a multitude of op- multitude of, of potential um, emotions of like, all right, wow, I achieved a goal, but did I really achieve the goal? And then like, all right, but like, should I go quickly and do another one to try to get the goal? And it can seem, seem to be like a whole, you know, a big, big stew of potential emotions. Yeah. The Boston qualifying situation 
I mean, I have never attempted to qualify for Boston, but it stresses me out just hearing about it because it's like, right, the window and then the surprise window. And I'm like, nah, that's a lot of credit to anyone who goes through that because I'm like, nah, I'm okay. That sounds like a lot. But I will say kind of a PSA for running coaches. This is where a coach is really helpful because it's an outside perspective, right? Sometimes you need to be saved from yourself, especially when it matters to you, right? We don't make the best decisions when the situation is emotionally loaded. So I'm gonna put that out there or at the very least, someone who knows running and is in the space that you can run it by, or even not even that, just like a loved one who knows you and knows what you're doing with running Run the idea by them if you're thinking about doing anything as a result of the time you did or didn't get. I'm going to throw that out there. We don't always make the best decisions when we really care about something, especially runners. I feel like we we rationalize a lot of things sometimes for the name of like our running our best race, myself included. I've been there. This is why I have a coach. But after that, I would also say kind of taking a step back and remembering why you're doing it, right? It's supposed to be fun. At the end of the day, this is supposed, you do this because you enjoy it. And so if you feel good and you've run it by at least one other person who's a little less invested than you and it'll be fun, okay, like try again, right? But if it's this, just this thing where you're like, I'd only do it because I need to prove myself or because I just would be a failure if I don't get this Boston qualifying time, I would advise you to take a step back because at the end of the day, you can only control so much. You can control that you ran your best marathon, right? You can't control what everyone else did and what that time is going to be. And so you could run five marathons each faster than the last and still not get in. To me, that would feel worse, right? You think about the alternate situation and really what you're trying to do is control something you can't control. And if that's the case, It's good to take a step back and just manage the feelings you're having around it and take care of yourself that way rather than trying to control the situation that like actually is not in your control unless you like can bribe the people who decide the time. And then in which case, like maybe do that. No, I'm just kidding. Don't. That's not right. (laughs) That's a great point. Yeah, because you do have a certain level of control about what time you run. But you have no control over like, am I in the top 10 percent of American marathoners this year? It's like, oh, who knows, right? Uh, and that goes all the way up to elites, right? Am I in the top, you know, top three for my, you know, for my for my race this year? It's like, well, who knows, dude? Like, who knows, right? There's too many factors. Even if you're a top three talent, like you might sprain your ankle before the race or, you know, someone else doesn't sprain their ankle before the race or whatever. Right. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, looking at really why you're trying so hard to fight against like the unknown and it's not really because you think you can change the time or right? you don't know the time. I think it'd be a different story if they told you ahead of time and you were like 30 seconds under it and you're like, oh, I still feel good. Like maybe I'll try again. But you have no idea. And so most of the time, I think when people do things like this, what they're actually doing is trying to protect themselves from the pain of not getting in. And if that's the case, you kind of can't. Cause you can't protect yourself from emotional pain. Like there's always going to be the possibility that things don't go the way you want. And that's just part of, that's the flip side of loving and caring about something so much is that sometimes you're going to be really disappointed by it. And the only way to avoid that is to not be as invested. And I think most people, especially runners would not take that trade if they really thought about it. 
Right, especially for a race of this distance, right? And um, this is one of the things that I like to tell some of my athletes, that like the longer the distance of the race, the more invested you have to be in that race, right? Because if you're running like, you're doing like all out mile race at the track, like that's great. Like, but you know, like you can still run after that race. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you could like, like, I did the race and now I'm going to do a 10 mile run afterwards. Whereas for the marathon where like you're taking two weeks off, I'm taking a week off and going super slow the next week and then so on and so forth. So it's like, you know, you kind of have to balance it out with, with almost the, the duration of the event. Yeah. And just the, mental aspect of it also it, i i read i'm gonna mess up the science somewhere and i'm sure someone's gonna come at me and be like actually that's not true so i'm putting that disclaimer on there but i read something somewhere like your body has the energy stores to make it to like mile 23 or 24 and then after that you're basically running on sheer will which is like a crazy physical accomplishment and feat but also the mental energy you have to exude to keep moving when I don't know, six miles ago, two miles ago, 10 miles ago, you were like, I don't want to do this anymore. It's just a lot on your body. And so I say that also to just like remind everyone that regardless of like what time you didn't get that you wanted to, it is not all in your control. There's so much of the marathon that because of how long it is and how taxing it is on the body, like there's just so many things that can go wrong, like that are outside of your control, which is like terrifying, but also fact. And so, you know, just keeping all of that in perspective when you're judging yourself and your performance, you know, you're going to feel how you're going to feel, but make sure you're not acting on the feelings that are really irrational and just mean to yourself for, you know, especially if it's not going to benefit you. Oh, for sure. And I think the I think the study you're referencing is when they talk about the glycogen 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 stores in terms yes. of like this is why it's so important to fuel and to refuel because if you don't do it, like good luck after three hours right. type type fuel. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Like it is a great this is the zoom out thing again, right? Like it's a great physical feat you're putting yourself through regardless of the time. And so, you know, remembering that and also balancing that with like, yeah, it's going to suck if you don't get the time you want or don't get into Boston or don't, you know, OTQ or don't hit whatever goal you wanted to. It's going to be hard, but there's only so much control you have over that. You're actually wasting energy both pre-marathon and after marathon for recovery and whatever goal you want to set next. If you're using all that mental energy to try to control things you actually can't control, like you can't control the weather, you can't control if you wake up and like your ankle sore that day from a pass injury, or if it's like 20 degrees warmer than it's supposed to be at that time of year, or, you know, someone bumps into you and you trip, like all of these things you just can't control. And if you're going to try to, it's basically like trying to push like a massive boulder up Mount Everest, like you're not going to do it, but you are going to get very tired. And that is a cumulative oh, the, the effect. the Sisyphus marathon. Don't sign up for that one. Right. God. <laughs> yeah, it's not It's not a good time. You're probably not going to be successful. And you're just going to waste a bunch of energy. And that will carry on past this race to the next one to the next one. It's just not, it's not a good idea. Like, you can't control certain things. You mentioned before that even when the races go extremely well, there's always things that we can nitpick and maybe it's not even nitpicking, right? Because they're part of going through a process like this is that it does allow us to learn from 
certain things, right? So even if it goes really well, maybe there are still learning opportunities. And if things don't go very well, maybe there's even more learning opportunities. So what what would be a nice process for people to go through to try to get the most out of this experience after the fact? And when should that process begin? I would give it at least a week. Uh, everybody's different. Um, but I would say like at minimum, like, calm yourself for a week. Also, just because it's going to be really raw, you're not going to be thinking clearly necessarily, um, you know, in both directions. If you ran like a great time, you might be like, oh my God, I actually want to take 10 minutes off my next race goal. Like that's what I should do. Even if that's just like really unrealistic or, you know, sometimes you run races like above your fitness and you just have a great day and you're like, I couldn't duplicate that again if I tried. So waiting like a week, regardless of what happens or, you know, longer, if you feel like you need it, gives you like a more clear headed perspective. And then I think it's just kind of going through like a postmortem, like I think is a good idea with any situation, whether it was something that really went well or something that didn't go so well. Okay. What happened here? What went well? What didn't go well? What would I want to fix next time? And what was just like a fluke of the day, right? If you're like, man, I really bonked at like mile 18, maybe it's a fueling situation. If you're like, oh, I really psyched myself out. I think fitness wise, I could have run faster, but I was really anxious. Okay, how can you revise that situation? Or maybe you can't, right? Maybe it was just like, especially with the world now, maybe it was just your first race in two years and you were going to be freaking out. And next time that will just not be a part of the equation. So really kind of looking at it and, you know, if I think, I think if you're getting stuck with this, this is where like the more objective third party kind of comes in and, you know, run it by them be like, Hey, this is what I'm thinking. What do you think about this? Right. And maybe they'll remember something, especially if they were involved in race day that you didn't remember that was like, Oh yeah. But remember how you actually like this thing happened to you three days before and you actually like didn't sleep well for a little bit the week before a week of the race. It's like, Oh, so maybe that actually had an impact on the day. Right. And so, yeah, I think it just kind of like as objectively as possible, ask yourself those questions, like what went well, what didn't, and like how much of that is actually something that I could change moving forward. All right. I'm going to get really granular here. And if this doesn't matter, just like this doesn't, we, you just, you know, people can be like, you know, kind of like dealer's choice type here. But do you like, <laughs> like to say, all right, start off with this category, or we should be writing these things down or like, you know, how, you know, if someone works, like, I'm going to, I'm going to be doing this. In fact, I'm, currently doing this exact thing. So we'll be doing a, a kind of a post CIM recap episode that will be coming out the episode after this episode. So I guess on some level, I'm asking for your help personally, but I know that this relates to so many people for a variety of reasons, um, even though everyone seems to have a, a running podcast now. So maybe everyone wants <laughs> it for their own their own show. But ultimately, I feel like this can be helpful. So you know, just drilling deep into it, is there a certain kind of certain ways that you'd recommend someone doing these kinds of postmortems and reflections? Yeah. So I'm going to first say it depends. And with the disclaimer of that, like, I'm going to give general suggestions. And if it doesn't work for you, if you're like, that sounds terrible, like, don't do it. You're not doing something wrong because it is always just very subjective um, based on your own experience. So I would first say a good place to start is remembering how you felt right when you finished compared to how you feel whenever you're doing it. And I say that because... <laughs> Usually people who cross marathon finish lines are pretty happy. You might not be happy like two minutes later when all like the pain sets in, but you're usually pretty happy when you cross the finish line, even if your race was really hard. 
And so comparing that like really raw emotion to the part of you that then had time to like nitpick all of whatever happened, I think it's just a helpful like reminder and also comparison, right? Maybe you were disappointed when you crossed the finish line or maybe you were like, man, I could have run harder. And then you still think you could run harder. Okay. Well, that's probably a pretty consistent theme. Or if you were, you know, really excited and celebratory when you crossed the finish line, but three days later, you're like berating yourself for all the mistakes you made. That is also helpful perspective for like everything else. Cause it just gives you a framework of like, where you might really be feeling and where you might be landing on the race. Um, the other thing I would say is just like any time you come up with something of like, oh, I didn't like how this went, follow that up with a why. I say to clients all the time, it's not the what, it's the why. So if you come and say, hey, I should have run harder I need to train harder for the next one because, you know, I think I ran under my fitness level. Okay, that's fine. Why are you saying that? And the answer might be because I crossed the finish line and then I went to dinner with my family and I felt great and I don't want to feel that great after a marathon, right? I feel like I had more energy. Okay, great. But if you're like, oh, just because, you know, I didn't get as fast of a time as like my friend, hmm. Maybe that's something that needs a little bit more of a deep dive before you're making decisions that might, you know, set you up for a hard road later on. I would also say that a good place to kind of start all of this or just like to put it in perspective is like, where do you want to go from here? Um, This is, I think, a lot of runners, you know, some runners are like, especially with marathons, like one and done. But like when you say you want to do better, Like better at what? Like what's your next goal? Do you want to run another marathon in a year, in like a week, in, you know, 20 years? You're like, no, I'm good. (laughs) Like I'm good for like, you know, a couple decades because all of that kind of guides how you're going to view and evaluate what just happened, right? It's a very different situation if you're like, I don't know when I'm ever going to run a marathon again compared to I want to do this again next fall or you know, I want to take this and I want to train for a half or a 10K in the spring, right? Like, why why are you even evaluating it? Like, what do you want to do with the information? And I think it's also important to ask, like, when setting new goals and really even just thinking about, like, what just happened? Like, what was your why? Because maybe your why, when you started, had absolutely nothing to do with time, but you're really focused on time. Okay, cool. But like, why did you actually start it? Because maybe that's a better way to think about what just happened and where you want to go and like what you want to take away from it. Man, those are all really good points. Thank you for sharing all of that. You're welcome. Um, I'd like to add one, if you don't mind. I think that oftentimes, um, as, as you mentioned, like race day can have its own little peculiar moments to it that may not be illustrative of the effort that someone maybe put into a whole cycle or all the work that they did beforehand. So also taking a look at like at the training, maybe even after the fact and just saying, Hey, what, what went well, what didn't go well and what can be improved. And maybe even what can be improved can come from the doing it well part. Like, Hey, this worked really well. Maybe if I do more of that or set myself up for training at these certain kinds of times or days or running with these people or in those places that um, it's more process oriented reflection as opposed to result-oriented reflection. 
Yeah, absolutely. I love that because it's really true, right? It's also important too when you look at like if you got a good result or didn't, like, well, why, right? Like what made it not great? Was it that, you know, your calf cramped up at mile 12 and never unlocked itself? Because that's a maybe a different fix than, you know, I just felt totally drained by the time I hit mile 21, right? Or and then the same thing, right? If you had a really good race, well, why'd you have a really good race? Because you want to make sure you note that and keep doing that. So that's like not the thing that falls off later. And then maybe you have a not so great race and you're like, oh, why not? Well, you didn't do the thing that worked, right? Somewhere along the line, it kind of flew off the truck. So yeah, I think that's a really great point. All right. So I hit all the questions I wanted to ask you. However, as an experienced marathoner and as a licensed professional, are there certain things that maybe we haven't touched on yet that you want to make sure that we do? I want to double down on the celebration thing, um, especially for people. And I'm assuming people who listen to this podcast are very into the running community because they're literally listening to a running podcast. I think it's really important to celebrate what you did, especially if it was the best for you, either for the day or your own personal record. Um, I think what happens a lot is that we get very focused on like who's doing better or like what's a respectable time and all of these things. And it can be really stressful to see, you know, other people's accomplishments or other people's times, you know, people post like Strava and their watch photos and all of these things and race results. And I know so many people who have like felt good about their race until they see like other people's results and then they don't feel so great anymore. So I say that not to like vilify anyone who wants to share. If you want to share and it makes you happy, like that's great power to you. But to kind of remember that, you know, doubling down on what I said before is that even like getting to the start line of any race is an accomplishment, but also checking in on anything that takes away from your own celebration, especially if you ran your best race. Like it actually, you know, I'll spare the whole lecture on like how it's actually, you know, times are really subjective and you don't know what's going on to evaluate what happened based on a time on the clock. But if you ran your best race or your best race for the day, like it actually doesn't matter what other people are doing. And but as humans, we have the just natural tendency, like we compare ourselves to others. We do care what other people think. Like, I don't care how confident someone is or how much they say, like, oh, I do my own thing. Like everyone to some extent cares what other people think and what other people are doing. And so just know if viewing other people's race results on Instagram or like looking it up on the race results page or on Strava or whatever dampens your celebration, maybe that's not a thing you do. And, it, and that's okay, right? Maybe if sharing your times makes you feel judged, maybe that's not a thing you do because whatever you did on race day or didn't do in training, you accomplished something amazing, you set a goal and you saw it through. And that in and of itself, running or otherwise, is great. And so you don't deserve for anything that like at the end of the day really doesn't matter all that much to dampen that celebration. So kind of similar to like removing the triggers if you're gonna feel that after race day when you're in like that, you know, downslope of coming down from the excitement. If anything dampens the celebration, like remove that from your space because there's no reason for that. It just doesn't do anything positive. And this is a positive experience and you deserve to feel as good as possible. Rachel, so well done. You just gave us so many (laughs) gifts in this conversation. Thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm so excited you asked me on. I feel so honored. So thank you. 
Rachel, thank you so much for coming on the show. I hope this was as helpful for you as this episode was for me. As soon as I had this conversation with Rachel, she's absolutely phenomenal. Just a wonderful person. And I couldn't be more thankful for her sharing her, you know, her expertise and her knowledge with us. So thank you so much for listening and happy running. This has been a production of Rambling Runner Podcast. This podcast is produced by David Margetti of In Post Media. Thank you to Meta P for the music. His song, Righteous Path, featuring Rex Mayhem and Chip Fu, is produced by Symphonic Bang. Yeah. Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest estates these days. This representation of storm brewing amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. I'm trying to show this industry.